I'm Steph. And I'm Jeff. Each week, we review a film that's streaming on Netflix or Amazon Prime. As writers, we'll deep dive into the hook, plot, characters, and movie to tell you if it's a good story. Listen at your own risk. This review contains spoilers. Now sit back. Relax. And and enjoy Stream On. Today, we'll be reviewing Bombshell, streaming right now on Amazon Prime. It is 2016. At Fox News, anchor Megyn Kelly is at the peak of her career while her colleague Gretchen Carlson is on her way out. And new hire Kayla Pospisil is beginning the long climb up the corporate ladder with her eye on an anchor chair. Overseeing all this is Roger Ailes, creator of Fox News and a lifelong sexual predator. When Carlson sues Ailes for harassing her, lines are drawn in the newsroom and Kelly has a difficult decision to make. To stand with Ailes or against him. Bombshell is directed by Jay Roach. It's written by Charles Randolph and it's based on the real-life accounts of female employees at Fox News who accused the CEO Roger Ailes of sexual harassment. The film stars Charlize Theron as news anchor Megyn Kelly, Nicole Kidman as news anchor Gretchen Carlson, John Lithgow as the CEO of Fox News, Roger Ailes, Margot Robbie as Kayla Pospisil, who is a fictional character, Kate McKinnon as Jess Carr, a production assistant who's also a fictional character, and Connie Britton as Elizabeth Ailes, the wife of Roger Ailes. So, Steph, you pick this one. Why? So, I picked it for the subject matter uh, because I knew that it was inspired by the true stories of the downfall of Roger Ailes, um, who was sued for sexual harassment. And I find inspired by true story movies interesting to see how they adapt the story to film. I also think Charlize Theron is a really phenomenal actress. Um, I think she's one of the best actresses out there right now. And I heard that her performance as Megyn Kelly was awesome, that she just disappeared into the character. So I wanted to see um, what she did with that character. So, Jeff, what does this film remind you of? So, Bombshell reminded me of 9 to 5. So, 9 to 5 is a 1980 comedy. Both films tread very similar ground about a group of harassed women trying to figure out how to navigate and defeat a sexual and hierarchy and patriarchy that they face at work. Now, obviously, there are differences in the films. 9 to 5 is a straight comedy and revenge fantasy purely fictional as opposed to being a fictionalized account of real events and the ending is neater in the sense that our heroines beat the man but the central idea of a small group of women finding each other and trying to bond over their place in the power structure fits the overall theme of bombshell how about you so i chose the political satire film vice um, which uh, stars christian bale as dick cheney it also has amy adams and steve carell in it And um, some of the parallels are that this film is also inspired by true events, and it deals with a critique of right-wing politics and agenda, and it looks at political corruption within that faction of politics. Obviously, with Vice, it's looking more at the true events or inspired by true events of Dick Cheney as 
the perceived puppet master behind the war in Iraq and everything that like led up to that um, versus in Bombshell, we're looking at just the, the conservative news machine of Fox News. Some other parallels I found between Bombshell and Vice is that both primary stars in this film really disappear into their character. So Christian Bale does a phenomenal job becoming Dick Cheney and Charlize Theron does a great job becoming Megyn Kelly. Um, They also use the breaking the fourth wall technique as a plot device to move the story along and invite the audience in to what's happening. Uh, Christian Bale breaks the fourth wall with Dick Cheney kind of like cluing you into what's going on and what he's thinking. And so does Charlize Theron with Megyn Kelly as she's walking the audience through what's going on in Bombshell. Okay, let's jump into the hook. Jeff, what did you think about this hook? Did it grab you in the first 15 minutes and set up our story well? I think it did. Uh, Because of the structure of this film, which is kind of loose it's more just like a series of interconnected scenes as opposed to a very solid plot and it's a movie that drops you into the action Uh, the hook really has more to do with establishing whatever the central theme is and the tone and it does both those very efficiently you get the sense that this is going to be about power dynamics in america as seen through the lens of sexual harassment and gendered expectations in the corporate world And the tone is obvious from almost the beginning that it's going to be a dark comedy complete with fourth wall breaking. You know, this movie isn't a solid, isn't a solid drama. It's not like The Insider or even like the uh, Rod Serling's Patterns, which is a good movie that you should seek out. I'd say probably the closest thing to a traditional hook element in this case, would be like the establishment of a point of view character for the audience is the uh, introduction and a bit of development for Kayla. She's going to be the person coming in from the outside who's going to see all these things that the established characters have already gone through. That works too for me. I have some I do have some issues with that character in general, but as far as how she's established, that all works well. If there is a problem with the hook. It is that it is fairly exposition heavy. You have a lot of details being given about the environment, about working at Fox. Little things that I don't think are necessary for the film and that just kind of eat up some time and unnecessary. But overall, yeah, the hook does a very good job of doing what's supposed to. Set that scene, set that tone, get those characters established. How about you? half and half with a hook in terms of what worked and what didn't. So the things I liked about the hook is that the film gave you some good one-liners delivered by John Lithgow that show you very quickly how Roger Ailes thinks. Um, Some examples are, news is like a ship. Take your hands off the wheel and it pulls hard left. No one stops watching because of a conflict. They stop watching when there isn't one. So I... I thought he delivered those lines really well, and it said a lot about how Roger thinks. So to me, that really worked in the hook, how uh, John Lithgow got into Roger's character and just the writing uh, of that character. Um, Another thing I liked is the flashback scene 
for a woman named Rudy, who was a uh, correspondent that was offered a prestigious DC job. And um, basically, in order to get this assignment, um, the guy that is going to give her this assignment is asking for her to come to his hotel room. And why this scene I thought was so powerful is that it showed the inner dialogue of what Rudy was thinking and like the jujitsu that she had to go through to figure out how to get the job and avoid having to sleep with this guy and and just the the complexities of navigating sexual harassment that she had to do i just thought that was brilliantly written that inner monologue and in the end she declines his offer to go to his hotel room and she ends up getting fired as a result and this is a real life story um, but i just love how they did that flashback scene and showed it from the woman's perspective of what she's internally mentally thinking um, as she's being propositioned by this guy it also it, it introduces the main characters. You get Megan, Gretchen, Kayla, and Roger, who are the top ones we'll be following. So you got what you needed there. The things that didn't work for me is I agree with you about that it was it was exposition heavy. So the film starts off by breaking the fourth wall right away, and Megan is explaining the history of Fox News and how it operates down to like which floor roger's office is on versus the production studios and and whatnot and it's it's unnecessary i don't really care what floor the different studios are on at fox news and that yeah the entire conservative news media is housed in one building and like the wall street journal and all this and that like i just it didn't really add anything to me and i had to watch the scene a few times to like get it like which floor was where and the history and all that and i I just think you could have completely dumped that. Um, it was it was too big of an info dump. And um, how much does Roger Ailes' background and the composition of the office really matter to this particular film? I, I don't think you needed to know his history. You got enough of Roger's thinking by just those witty one-liners he delivered. So that was the thing that I didn't like about it. So it... Eh. It sort of worked for me, minus that part. I just wanted to add something about the hook. I agree with you completely about the scene featuring Rudy that you mentioned. That was a masterful and, again, darkly comedic look at how she is trying to navigate the choppy waters of sexual harassment with this guy. But just very well done. And there's a lot of moments like that in this movie, I think. So, what did you think about the plot? So the first thing that I wanted to bring up as a theme was the use of fictional characters in inspired by true story films. So this film had two fictionalized characters. The first is Jess's character and um, Jess is a production assistant and she's sort of your support person to Kayla and like the one that shows Kayla the ropes. Uh, she is a lesbian and Hillary fan that works at Fox News because she couldn't get a job elsewhere. And um, she, she she's used to really kind of give you an overview of how things really work and to help guide Kayla along. Um, and I thought that 
they did a good job with Jess's character. She was funny. I mean, played by Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live, who's just in- incredibly funny. Um, but you know, she talks about one of the best scenes to show Jess's character and how they used her is um, she works for the O'Reilly show as a you know, production person. And so she's talking to Kayla about like how she needs to think as a producer on the O'Reilly show. And so she talks about like, make sure you're sourcing from Drudge and Breitbart, not talk radio. Hannity sources from talk radio. And that's Bill's rival. <laughs> like you can, and then she says, if you can't source it, say some people say, um, some other like good lines are go in with the mentality of an Irish street cop. The world's a bad place. Uh, if you ask yourself, would this scare my grandparents? That's a Fox News story. Make sure your story has a clear villain, like a liberal judge. Uh, I mean, it's just she does such a good job delivering the wit and the satire that even though she's a fictionalized character, I, I thought that it worked well in this film to have her in it um, as the person showing Kayla the ropes and kind of giving us an inside look as to how you have to think as a producer on the O'Reilly show. I mean, what are your thoughts about Jess's character? So Jess was fine. Uh, Kate McKinnon is a talented comedian. I think she delivered the lines well. While she does serve, at least in part, an expositional function, I actually found a lot of her scenes were either to lend a bit of levity to the situation or to show how people, you know, have to keep their heads down to survive in a situation like that. Because she's not being directly harassed by anybody, but she's clearly making compromises to be there. And it, it does help with that theme of how different people in that kind of environment, the different strategies they have to take to, whether it's prosper or even just survive in it. So her character was fine. I actually had more problems with Kayla's. So tell me your thoughts on Kayla, Jeff. Well, before I get into that, there is kind of a general question I have just about the use of fictional characters in an ostensibly nonfiction story. I mean, clearly this is done all the time in a wide variety of stories. You can have purely fictional casts in a real-world setting like Titanic. You can have fictional characters or filler characters in a setting where the records, the historical records are sparse, like all the different adaptations of the Spartacus story. In this movie, we get two different types of fictional characters. Jess, we has talked about is, if you're looking at her role in the plot, I'd say it's two things. It's expository to give some detail how things works, but then also to reinforce an aspect of the theme. Kayla's purpose is much more about that audience viewpoint. She is supposed to be that character who's going to show us how this uh, works and why these other women have been treated the way they have or how they've been treated and what they've already gone through. She's a surrogate. So I guess the question first is, I assume we are in agreement that when you're writing a story set in, in the real world or dealing with real world events, a lot of times you do have to make up characters. It can be for the reasons that there's just somebody there that you need to have go through something. It can be I guess part of the reason that they did this with Kayla, there was something Charlize Theron said. She was doing an interview with Ellen DeGeneres, 
And she said, we use a lot of source material in finding the story and also spoke to a lot of women who are part of the story. Some of them were still working at Fox. Some of them really didn't want their names out there. So Kale is kind of that stand in for those, a lot of those women. Right. I mean, she's supposed to represent many victims, right? She's an amalgam of many women who have been harassed at Fox News, some that maybe have never told their stories and some that have, but they want their name to remain anonymous. And so I think they were trying to have one person stand in for a lot of different um, victims of sexual harassment at Fox News. Right. But beyond that, there is that narrative purpose. The idea that we're going to have this character who is going to go through the steps that everyone else is talking about as happening in the past. And they wanted to show it's like, this is what it's like in this environment, whether it's Fox News or big business in America or whatever, right? They wanted to show this is, these are the steps that a person getting into it who's ambitious and who wants to move up the ladder, who isn't just going to keep their, you know, heads down. This is what they have to go through in an environment like this. Right, they wanted to show active harassment versus people recounting it from when it happened to them long ago or or more of a subtle harassment. They wanted to show how bad it got. Um, and, and Kayla did have, they gave Margot Robbie's character the most uncomfortable scene in the film, in my opinion, the, the give me a twirl scene where she's in the office with Roger alone and they're talking about her career and what it takes to get ahead at Fox news. And he asked her to stand up and like give him a spin. And he looks at her um, like a predator. And then he asked her to hike her um, dress up higher and higher and higher until he can see her underwear. And it's a really uncomfortable scene to watch. Uh, So the movie wanted to put you in there where you actually see real, the harassment happening in like time now. We already have a film that is shown that is going to have a fairly loose narrative structure. There's no problem with the flashbacks. We see a flashback with Megan Kelly and Roger Ailes from the 90s, I believe. It has no problem with point-of-view characters talking to the audience. It's constantly breaking the fourth wall. My issue with Kayla is that most of the functions that her character would normally fulfill could have been handled without her character. Since we already have point-of-view characters talking to the audience, you could have them say, here's my flashback. I mean, Megan Kelly's character basically does that. Do you find that there is anything that the Kayla character brought to the story that couldn't have been handled without her? I understand your point that it makes some of her experiences, or rather the experiences the other women went through, more immediate if you're demonstrating it. But because the way the film was structured, you could have actually shown that with the other characters who were, you know, real people. So do you think she was necessary or not? I do, because I think it's a different feel for the audience watching someone that you invest with uh, going through it in the present versus somebody that had gone through it in the past and is flashing back and reflecting on what happened to them in the past. Because we do see scenes in the past, right, that um, Megan's character is reflecting on. We hear Gretchen more recounting what happened to her in the past, right, and why she was, you know, taken off her show and kind of given, like, the crappy afternoon slot and this and that. But I think it's, it's more powerful to see it happening in the now with a a new character that's young and ambitious and, you know, 
the sacrifices she ends up making and the moral gymnastics she has to do to to get ahead at Fox. You know, Rogers has that famous saying, right? To to get ahead, you got to give a little head, um, and and that's what ends up happening um, to Kayla. Uh, so I thought her character worked. There were parts of her character that I didn't like, though. Like for example, they make her a closet lesbian. Um, she has a romantic night with Jess, who is lesbian. And I, I don't think that added any value to the film. Um, you could have had them be friends, and that's fine if you want Jess to be a, a lesbian Hillary lover at Fox News, but you, you don't didn't need to have Kayla also be uh, a lesbian, and, and I, don't, I just don't think you needed that scene between them. It felt out of place. And like trying to cram another thing in to the film. Um, it, it was enough to have Kayla being a young producer, getting harassed by Roger and navigating that um, as, you know, her millennial, she's a millennial Jesus influencer that believes in the Fox News machine. And then you see her believing in it less as the story goes on. Um, but you didn't need the whole lesbian thing thrown in there. So I disagreed with how they wrote her in that regard. Yeah, I thought the most powerful, one of the most powerful scenes in the film was when Kayla calls Jess, like Kayla's trying to decide if she should um, go like talk to attorneys about what happened to her, you know, as it's breaking, like Gretchen Carlson has sued Roger for harassment. And so they're looking for other women to come forward. And, and Kayla talks about how she, gave in and ended up um, performing sexual acts on Roger. And it's just this powerful scene where she's breaking down and Jess is listening to her and, and is used to encourage her to, to tell her story. And I, I think that was powerful because it was happening in the present and had just happened to her versus something that had happened years ago, like in the case of Megan. So Overall, her character worked, minus the lesbian bit. I would say that my problems with the character, in part, echo some of your criticism. That scene with uh, her hooking up with Kate McKinnon's character was unnecessary. I think that gets one of the core issues, though. This character seemed more like a tool for telling a story and not some of the, a lot of effort or thought was put into developing a well-rounded character. That can work. Not every character needs to have tons of backstory and lots of depth and things like that. Usually, if it's going to be a point-of-view character, it helps. But that's a secondary concern. My primary concern with this character, or primary criticism, I should say, is that, and this is, I think, where we differ, I just don't think that she was necessary. If this was a different type of movie, like more of a straight drama where you're not going to do the fourth wall breaking, where you're not going to have flashbacks, I would be 100% in agreement with you that you want to see these things happen. I think that because of the way this film is structured, you can have that immediacy of the real people going through this as opposed to a stand-in for both the characters we have on the screen, because clearly Kayla is supposed to demonstrate what happened to 
some of the other women who are also point of view characters, or at least a version of what happened, right? As well as being that kind of amalgamation of other real people who didn't want to come forward. Because, again, of the way this film is set up, I just don't think you needed that. You could have had those other characters, the real characters, going through this, and it would have been as effective. And like I said, we just clearly disagree on that bit, but the one thing I will say about Kale's character that I greatly enjoyed was Margot Robbie's performance. It was spot on. I enjoyed watching her, but yep, just didn't think you needed her. One scene that I found was interesting that exists because you have Kayla as a character is the scene where Kayla finds out it happened to Megan too. Like I think with Megan, like Roger tried to like forcibly kiss her, um, if I recall correctly. And so, and Kayla's like, why didn't you report this sooner? Why didn't you say anything? You're one of the most powerful women at Fox News. And, you know, kind of blames her a bit for it didn't have to happen to me if you would have reported this years ago when this happened to you. And Megan gives her this reality check moment where she says, well, how do you think I got this power? And basically, you know, that's the crux of the problem that, yes, I'm the most powerful woman at Fox News, but the reason I got there is because I kept silent about these things related to Roger that I knew and what had happened to me. And I, I thought that was a very powerful scene. Um, it shows how even, you know, women can turn on one another too, because she is blaming another victim versus blaming Roger in that moment, right? Um, but it's complex because perpetrators are allowed to continue perpetrating because people don't come forward, right? For a variety of complex reasons. And um, so I, I just thought that was a really interesting scene. I liked that they included a scene like that. And um, Kayla's character was necessary for that scene to exist. I think sometimes when we look at a work of fiction, we often get into this mode where like this character is great and this character is unnecessary. Kayla is one of those characters I think is in between there. She does serve some functions, but it's like, could this character have been removed and the same thing have happened with the other, you know, with the other protagonists, right? Yeah, I, I, I do not have a really extreme position on this character. It's like probably not necessary, but used well at times like that. If I was to write Kayla's character out um, and not use her, you would have really had to do a lot more to f flesh up what happened to Gretchen and to Megan. Because while they get into it, they don't get into it a lot. It's like there's one flashback scene with Megan and Roger, and there's, you know, more Gretchen t explaining what happened to her versus flashback scenes that show a lot of it. So you would have had to go a lot deeper into what happened to them uh, to make the story work without Kayla. But since they did include Kayla, what I would have written out as the whole lesbian stuff, uh, just dump that and, and you can move on with the film without that part. You could just have her and Jess be friends and that's enough for Jess to be there for her when Jess needs to be, which is when Kayla decides to come forward with the assault that happened to her. So Steph, were there any other things about the plot you wanted to talk about? Yeah, there was one other 
theme as a writer that I found interesting. And this is how writers, directors choose to portray real life characters in films. Because what you choose to focus on, like what you choose to keep versus what you don't. I mean, this is something we talked a bit about when we did The Runaways. And I think it's also very relevant to this film. And I struggled with how they chose to portray Megan and Gretchen. So, you know, when they focus on Megan's character, you know, they focus on her being a very smart, career-driven woman that's figured out how to navigate Fox News to get to the top of the ladder. I think where I struggled with her character is I felt that they didn't really get into the complexities of Megan, which I, I find interesting. So on the one hand, she does eventually come forward about being sexually harassed at Fox News, and she stands with the women. But she doesn't do that right away. But on the other hand, you know, she's got a history of racially insensitive comments um, that is well known, right? There's the Santa and Jesus is white broadcast, which you see briefly that the film touches on, but they really do it from Kayla's viewpoint and they make Kayla the racially insensitive one a lot more so than Megan. Um, so they sort of deflect the concerns about Megan's racism onto Kayla's character to soften Megan and make her more identifiable as a victim in the story. I mean, also, you know, we know about the blackface issue with Megan Kelly in real life. The film doesn't talk about that at all. But, you know, there's in real life, Megan Kelly has had some issues with racially insensitive comments. Um, and that has been a pattern. And the film really dumbs that down to make her a more relatable victim and I think it would have been a more interesting story to portray complex victims you can be a victim of sexual harassment and also participate in a system that perpetuates sexual harassment and the the mistreatment and harassment of people that are less empowered in society I thought it'd be more interesting to show Megan as a complicated victim, but the film didn't want to go there. And so I struggled with how they made her such a heroic character when really there's some concerns about her that the film downplayed. Well, do you think that this film would have worked better with paring down our point of view characters to just Megan Kelly? Because each of the point of view characters, and I, th I think there's really three of them, and I would say it's Megan Kelly, Gretchen Carlson, and Kayla. Now, we do see other characters who have their own scenes and things, but those are the ones that are really getting at the themes of the movie in. And each, I think, fulfills a very specific and fairly limited role. Gretchen Carlson is the instigator of the drama. She's the one who initially brings the lawsuit, we actually don't get what I consider a lot with her. We get some, but she's basically the person who's starting all this rolling. Kayla, as we've talked about, is the audience point of view character. Megan is 
she's almost like the commentary on the film and on what people have to go through both in Fox News but in this kind of system. I think the points you're making are good for a different kind of film. And this film wants to hyper-focus on sexism within a patriarchal power structure and how the different women who are the subjects of that, how they have to adapt to exist within it. Whether it's Kayla who performs, you have some minor characters like Janine Piero who seems to be all for it. So you have the cheerleaders, the people that have basically incorporated this kind of oppressive system into their own worldview and use it to get ahead. I think Gretchen Carlson is probably the closest to it. We'd consider the white hat. She's the one who is like, I'm going to challenge the system. Although her motives are complex or they're, they're not cut and dry. Part of it is because she knows she's kind of falling out of favor. It's not purely like, oh, I see all this bad stuff and I'm going to stop it. It's like, oh, my career is going down the tubes. I'm going to do something. So I think we do get some complexity of characters. The thing is, all the complexity of the characters, though, is around that one theme. And this goes back to what you were saying about when you deal with real people, how many things that are secondary or tertiary to the theme of your story do you bring in? So my question to you then, do you think that adding those very real flaws in Megyn Kelly's character and behavior would have helped with the central theme or presenting the central theme that this story is trying to tell us or comment on? I do, but it it means the viewer is going to be a little bit more uncomfortable. It's already uncomfortable to watch a film about sexual harassment, right? But people that become a part of that system that become victimized in one way may end up victimizing others in another way because it's all about its power dynamics at play. So Megyn Kelly is a victim of sexual harassment, but she also victimizes people that are not white, right? So it, it, it's a more complicated issue about how the system itself of Fox News and conservative news perpetuates victimhood in a variety of ways and that's the bigger theme in this film and the film touches on it with those moments with Megan and the Santa stuff but it, it doesn't go fully there and just because they try to make her more of an identifiable victim and I I, I think that there's a problem with not exploring that deeper See, I would disagree, though, with this idea that the film really even looks at any issues other than sexism and power differentials based on gender expectations in the workplace. So it kind of goes back to what's the film really about? The film is not about the problems in a system with any sort of power differentials or any sort of oppression based on characteristics like race or belief or in this case, sex or gender, it's just focused on that last thing. It's like your sexuality, your gender, this is what defines you within this power structure. And it's used again, either against you, or it is something that allows you to move, move up. And I think this movie does a good job of demonstrating the complexities of that particular, particular theme. So 
we may not get a lot about Megyn Kelly and some of her views towards people who are not white. But we do get a lot of how the different women at Fox News treat the structure there differently and how many of them enable it. I mean, Roger Ailes' female assistant is basically his procurer. Right. She's kind of like the madam, right? I think the film around that central theme does get it into the complexities of it. And I think that's a good reason not to start bringing in a bunch of bigger issues or different issues, because then you start to lose that, get that kind of thematic drift where you're like all over the place and trying to tell too many different things. It's not that that's not an interesting story to tell. It's just, you know, you have a limited amount of screen time. I can see why they're like, let's hyper-focus on this one thing and not go into all the other ancillary things that definitely inform these people and show how they participate in other aspects of this kind of power power hierarchy. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess for me, the point of this film is that the same, or the point I'm trying to make is that the same system that oppresses women also oppresses people of color, people that are not uh, heterosexual, etc., right? And if the film didn't want to go into that, they shouldn't have had the scene with Santa and Jesus is white and and have that even in there or a focus on Santa being white and that scene with, where Kayla talks about it more and more. Like they, they shouldn't have had those moments where they get into race issues at Fox News if they didn't want to touch on the fact that this system itself that's heteropatriarchal will oppress women as well as other people that are seen as less empowered in our society. And so that's, that's the, then why even have that scene in there? If you're creating a story that has some sort of message and not just pure entertainment or whatever, right? But if you have, you're using your story to examine something in this case, sex and gender within the workplace and the power differentials around that, yeah, you don't want to have that drift where you're like, oh, we're going to bring this in and then not develop it. Just don't have it at all. And I, I agree. I think that's very valid criticism of this. I just don't think that spinning off and having that as another major point would have done much for this particular movie. It might be good for a different story, not necessarily for this one, though. Yeah, the film is not. It's, it's about sexual harassment. And so stay on that versus trying to say other things in a lukewarm way that, that really left a lot unsaid. And, and that's the challenge. That's ultimately the challenge of portraying a real life character in, in a film is what to keep and, and what to leave out. Right. And that's why, you know, when you're bringing a character in, whether you're bringing a real character into a purely fictional setting, or whether you are recounting real events, there is you have to make the decision about how much artificiality you have. How much are you going to try to tell a story versus trying to create a documentary? What about you, Jeff? Other stuff about the plot that you found interesting as a writer? Well, so we've talked a lot about what the film is trying to say. There is one thing about how it's trying to say it, and that is breaking the fourth wall. Now, this is not a unknown device in theater and film. And the thumbnail version is, it references an, that invisible fourth wall for stage plays 
right, between the action on the stage and the audience. In film terms, it's generally that a character addresses the audience directly. And we've seen it in movies like the Deadpool series, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's generally used for as a comedy device. It's difficult to pull off in a drama because part of the dramatic situation is you want to maintain tension. You don't want to acknowledge the artificial nature of the medium that your audience is participating in. In Bombshell, they, it's used. I don't really think it was necessary. Now, Bombshell is a dark comedy. It is not a straight drama. So my issue isn't with that. It's that I don't think it worked very well. It was mostly used as an expo expository mechanism and less of some sort of stylistic choice reflected a coherent vision of how they wanted to tell the story. And including this as a mechanism makes the Carolic character a little less necessary, just because you could easily do the fourth wall breaking stuff to guide the audience through the same journey that Kayla takes us on. So did you think breaking the fourth wall worked in this film or not? No, I would have taken that out as well. I think you have to really be judicious about using that as a technique in film. It is that sort of a inviting the audience in expeditionary uh, dumping or explaining really what's going on. You know, it's, it's a technique to do one of those things. But in this film, because you had Kayla's character, because you had John Lithgow, which great, gave a great performance as Roger and gave those one-liners along the way to show you exactly how Roger thinks about things, um, you really did not need to break the fourth wall to tell your story. There was enough content there with, without those moments. So I agree with you. This was not like House of Cards, right? House of Cards is, is an example of a series that breaks the fourth wall, but it does it well. And, and it's helpful to get inside like Frank Underwood's head and how he's thinking. This series or this movie did not need to do that to tell the story it told. Right. And I think for the reason you mentioned, we have Kayla. We don't need characters talking to us directly. And we, quite frankly, don't need flashbacks either. I think this would have worked better as a just more of a straight line narrative I don't think it, I don't think it added anything to it. There were some funny bits that came through it, but it wasn't necessary, and I thought it was distracting from what was otherwise a pretty good movie. Yeah, in some ways, I think it took away from the film um, versus added value to it. Okay, well, let's jump into the ending. So, what are your thoughts on how this film wrapped up, Jeff? So, because this was based on a true story, I'm rating the ending in two separate categories. There's how did it tie up the real world events? And then how did it tie up our Kayla story, our fictional character story? The real world events were about as tied up as they're going to be in the sense that anyway, that is they're as satisfying or not satisfying as what actually happened, right? If you think that Roger L getting fired and all that was fine, if you like the ending for Gretchen Carlson, if you think what happened to Megan Kelly, if all that was fine, then you're going to probably find this satisfying, if not particularly invigorating. The Kayla ending I had a problem with, though. Her deciding just to 
walk out after all that was not satisfying to me. The character seemed to be presented as far too ambitious just to give up on being in Fox News, particularly since it seemed like she would have been on the winning side at that point. They clearly wanted to show that the character had thrown off all these negative ideas about how the world works and her place in it and all that, and that she's going to walk out and go do something more impactful and meaningful than working for Fox. The problem I had is I don't think they set the character up to do that. Of the ending, the stuff that worked was just the wrapping up of the real world things, which was fine, but not particularly spectacular. And then the Kayla stuff just, I don't know, did not work for me. So what did you think? I actually liked what, how they ended Kayla's character. I mean, sure, it wasn't like that abrupt, like, light bulb moment, um, and it's fictionalized, but I, I liked it. I liked the fact that, you know, she's seen Murdoch give his speech, and she's just like, F this, I'm done. She takes off her badge and, you know, throws it out, and she she walks past, and she does she does a good narration at the end and the narration is she's talking to the audience about the long-term impacts of sexual harassment on one's psychology i think why i liked her ending is as a therapist who has worked with many survivors of sexual harassment and assault the way she describes the long-term impact is really spot on I, I just found that powerful. Okay, yeah, sure, the cliche of her throwing off the badge and leaving to go, I don't know, work for CNN or wherever. Like, I get that that probably doesn't fit with the character they wrote for her, but I think they did such a good job with the internal of how she's talking to the, the audience, her, her narration about the long-term impacts of sexual harassment. I, I that, that was so well-written that I gave points because of that. Uh, what did you think about how they used that part of her ending. Well, I thought it was fine, but when you're creating a character, and especially when your character is at the end of the story, if you have a radical shift in how the character behaves just so that you can make a point, give a speech, or create some sort of message at the end of your story, it demonstrates a writing issue. There should have been something dropped in earlier that would lead one to conclude that this is going to be how this character winds up. The film indulges in that fantasy of walking out in your job, of the scales falling away from your eyes and you realize that your entire life you've been pursuing the wrong thing, what you've been told is not correct. The way your character is set up, though, it rang very hollow. It rang more like the writer's, writer is saying, I want to give this particular message at the end, and I'm going to use this person who I made up for this movie to deliver it, because I can't put it in the head of one of the real-world characters. And again, it demonstrates some of the sloppiness that went into the development of this character, that she seems more of a plot device. So would it have worked better for you if maybe they had taken out that whole lesbian scene with Kayla and Jess, and instead added a scene where it shows Kayla questioning the system a bit earlier in the film to show that she has some ability to question 
the environment that she's in. Yes, I, I think that if they had created earlier on the threads that would lead her in the end to walk out and deliver that monologue to the audience, it would have worked a lot better. It would have seemed more natural. This really seemed like, again, the writer was just, I want to include this speech and wrap things up, and I'm going to use her because I don't have anybody else to use. Yeah, I guess what I liked about it, I didn't so much focus on that. What I liked about it is externally she's seeming empowered and walking out and doing that whole I'm going to leave my job. But internally, she's still doubting herself and talking about the long-term impacts that sexual harassment has on their victims, that they that did that because it, sh- it showcased a this psychological impact, even though on the outside she looked empowered, on the inside she was still struggling. Um, so that's what I liked about how they ended Kayla. The other thing about the ending that I liked was when – Gretchen is getting her um, settlement for her lawsuit. She's getting $20 million and an apology, but she's told you'll be muzzled. Like Gretchen can never speak out about her story and what particularly happened to her. And her response was maybe, and it was a little smirk. I liked that. Uh, I thought that was well done. And I mean, it's true, even though Gretchen can't say her story, everybody around her can tell their story and 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 in that way Gretchen's story gets told and so I thought that was a nice touch as well for the ending um what I didn't love about the ending is the stuff with the Murdochs like I think you could have just ended it there with Gretchen being like maybe and then and I, I don't think you needed the stuff about um like Mr. Murdoch in the elevator and calling Donald Trump And, you know, there's, you don't get what the conversation is about, but you get that there's still stuff going on with the Murdochs and Trump. Um, And then you get the postscript stuff about how Fox News paid 50 million settlements to the women, but then they paid Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly $65 million, like as part of their like severance or whatever, right? That these perpetrators got more money than the victims right so like it goes it does that as a postscript but i i just think none of that really mattered in the end like focus on kayla and her story focus on the gretchen thing like you didn't need the stuff about the murdochs i mean what are your thoughts about that jeff i agree completely about the murdochs that just seemed like filler unnecessary had some of the same thoughts about the roger ailes scenes and i want to be clear john lithgow does a great job it's not about the acting I didn't need to see his point of view on any of this. I don't think it added very much. I would have preferred more time spent first giving Gretchen Carlson some character, because she's, again, the instigator, but you know she is, of the three lead characters, I think she is the worst served of them, as far as the writing. But I would have spent more time with her. If you're going to have Kayla, then you could have spent more time developing her character and definitely more with Megan Kelly. I think all three of them, you could have spent a lot more time working on them. But the Murdoch stuff, I agree. I'm not certain why even have that in there. What did that add to the movie? I quite frankly don't care about, you know, the scene where uh, Ailes is being let go. And I'm watching this and I'm like, it's a one rich white dude telling some other rich white dude he's going to give him a ton of money to be richer but he's going to be out of this job where he's been sexually harassing women for decades oh boo hoo 
It's like, why is this even in this movie? We we didn't need the scene. We just we needed to see it from like Megan's like the scene where Megan finds out he's fired and stuff. Like that's a good scene. And we could have just gotten that. We didn't need to see what you know, I, I agree. Like the less time spent on the point of view of the perp and more time on the point of view of the women and the survivors of the sexual harassment, like would have been better with this film and the topic yeah. it's covering. Okay, Steph. So what was your favorite part of this movie? So the scene that I liked the best is the scene between Jess and Kayla towards the beginning of the film where Kayla makes, um, she just got moved over to work on the O'Reilly show and she's going to be one of the producers there. And she makes an error in suggesting a topic for Bill to cover. And and she doesn't understand what she did wrong. And then Jess goes into kind of an expedition dump of like how to be successful at Fox News, particularly on the O'Reilly show. And, you know, what you need to do to develop a Fox News story. And it's just brilliantly written. Kate McKinnon is so funny in that scene. And and Margaret Robbie plays well off of her. And it's just, it's, it's witty, it's satirical. And it, it's just an it's an enjoyable scene to watch for what it's saying. Cause it's, there's a lot of truth in, in the satire. Uh, what about you, Jeff? I found it hard to decide because there are a lot of great scenes in this movie. I finally landed on the dressing room scene. It's where we see the female anchors and they're in this room. It's in Fox's uh, headquarters. And basically all the outfits are these highly revealing uh, as I put in my notes, classy office porn outfits. And there's this voiceover of the women saying they're not forced to wear anything. I think there the were repetitions. They can wear pants if they want, but you see what they're basically being shoved into. It was a nice way to encapsulate the message, particularly about Fox News, that all they're about is audience manipulation. So what was your least favorite thing in this movie? So I would say the scene that I liked the least was the scene where we actually see Roger Ailes sexually harassing Kayla, where he has her do the spin and then pull up her skirt to the point of showing him her underwear. Why I didn't like this scene is because they kept showing you the perpetrator's perspective. Like it, there was a lot of like camera focused on Roger. He was, you know, breathing hard and you could see like that predatory look on his face as he was enjoying her. But I felt this, I didn't like the fact that the scene focused on Roger. Like I felt that they should have kept the camera on Kayla during that scene. You could have heard Roger's voice and breathing and instructions and and kept it on Kayla and what was happening to her because it was so Margot Robbie did such a great job acting that scene showing the discomfort on her face as she's doing the act of continuing to hike up her skirt um it, I would it would have been more powerful if you stayed on her as the victim and just heard Roger instead of the camera being so focused on Roger I didn't need the perp view what about you, Jeff? What was your least favorite scene? So I, I actually had two in the running. Um, 
One was a scene that we both talked about, which was the Kayla and Jess lesbian scene. I found that unnecessary. And there's a strange kind of message about sexuality as rebellion, which was kind of odd in this movie. But edging that out really was the ending with Kayla. Um, as I explained in the ending, I did not think that moment fit for her. And to me, that was the weakest part of this film as far as a specific scene goes. So, so what did your final rating on this movie? So I gave this film a solid three out of five pandas. It's definitely worth watching for the good satire moments. Um, strong cast, very well acted, especially Charlize Theron's acting is on point. I mean, whoever did the hair and makeup for her, I mean, she disappeared into Megyn Kelly. I mean, she got the the mannerisms and her voice inflections really well. Um, and then their, the hair and makeup really made her look like Megyn Kelly. So it's worth watching just to see her phenomenal acting ability as Megan in this film. Um, you know, where it was well-paced, it kept me interested. It was never bored throughout the film. But it lost points for me because of some of the ways that it played it safe in terms of portraying complicated victims and just the overall system in term that the, the conservative news station Fox News created that disempowered people, not just women, but but people of color and and other people that are considered in less less powerful positions in our society. That it's a it's a system issue versus just a Roger Ailes issue. I think that was my primary. Thing is that the film focused on Roger Ailes being the perpetrator and once Roger is gone things will be better but the deeper message is things aren't better because the system itself that the Murdochs have created and the Fox News machine still exist there's just different people in it um, and so it missed the mark on going deeper with that that I would have liked to see it do um, so so three out of five, worth watching, um, but know some of the some of the gaps that the film doesn't fully address. What about you, Jeff? I also gave it three point five sexy news anchor pandas. I agree with all of your positive statements about this film and why it's worth watching. My negatives are a bit different. Um, I thought the Kayla character was unnecessary and that the fourth wall breaking narrative choice really detracted from the film but overall very interesting movie uses medium to make an interesting or perform an interesting analysis of the theme and it's very well acted has a lot of amusing moments many darkly amusing does have some cringe moments, but given the topic, you should be cringing at times in this film. So overall, well worth checking out. And that's it for me. Thank you for joining us for Stream On. Tune in next week when we'll be reviewing Spring, currently on Tubi. Stream On is a production of Steph and Jeff Wright's Media. Reproduction of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. All rights reserved. 21+.
2020.